0: So, the, the final 20 of this movie begins uh, at the genesis of the war between the Gungans for Naboo and the Trade Federation. So, everybody's lining up on the open grass, and the Gungans are setting up their shields, and in come the thousands of droids. Yeah, the battle droids mobilize and they realize they can't break through the Gungans' shield. Uh, the Gungans start throwing their little Boombas to shock the droids, and then chaos of that war ensues. Meanwhile, back like in the city of Theed, uh, Padme is running around with her gang, basically trying to reclaim the parts of the city that have, the been Jedis. O- have been overthrown with the Jedis. Exactly. Uh, they find themselves in a big military hangar where they come face to face with Darth Maul. The Jedis are like, we'll handle this. And Padme and uh, Panaka separate and kind of enter into the palace. Yes. So they enter to go find the throne room. Uh, while that occurs, uh, Anakin gets stuck in a cockpit as he wants to be able to use the cockpit's gun to be able to help out in the, in the chaos in the hangar, but the uh, starship's on autopilot, and so he zooms off into space. Uh, Meanwhile, uh, the Duel of Fates, the great lightsaber battle, is really in high gear, and uh, this is unlike any lightsaber battle we've ever seen. Like This is a seriously highly acrobatic, acrobatic, athletic, deeply tense uh, duel, and everybody's really holding their own. Yes, they are. Uh, At a certain point, though, as you can see, there's a lot of physicality in the fight. Uh, Maul actually uses his body a lot. Uh, he put, He kicks and pushes Obi- Obi-Wan away, he gets separated, and then Qui-Gon and Maul get in kind of a standoff with laser gates uh, and eventually have their own little battle that ends in Qui-Gon dying at Maul's blade things or with, being stabbed. Things with Padme and her folks appear to be going very poorly in that they kind of get captured by battle droids and the Viceroy, but once they're alone in a room, they, uh, they're they rescued, in fact, by decoy uh Padme, which still manages to work because they trick the Viceroy into thinking decoy is still the decoy and that they've got Padme, which is the decoy, and they get them confused and that's when they turn things around and they capture the Viceroy. Exactly. Uh, And so back on our uh, fight with Maul, uh, Obi-Wan gets really mad. Uh, He goes and fights Darth Maul. He cuts Maul's lightsaber in half, uh, but then Maul force pushes him down into a pit. Obi-Wan loses his lightsaber, but he's hanging on for dear life. Uh, back in the space, back in space, Anakin is not dying somehow, and he's pretty okay with almost blowing up a few times. He skids into the Trade Federation ship, and then shoots and blows up the main reactor. Things have been going pretty badly up to that point for pretty much everybody. Yep. Not, not just uh, Qui Gon getting uh, uh, stabbed, but out in the Gungan field, like they're pretty much getting backed into a corner. Yep, they uh, surrender. Oh, uh, that's right, they surrender out in space. Not Anakin, but a lot of other guys in yellow ships are blowing up. And dying. And so Anakin manages to blow up the main reactor at exactly the right point, which uh, 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 malfunctions every battle droid. disables all the battle droids, so the Viceroy are then forced to sign a treaty that benefits actually the Naboo people. Uh, Padme has won. Her plan has worked. Uh, Obi-Wan uses an incredible feat of the Force, concentrates, and... Regains the high ground over Maul using a force leap and also a force pull to pull Qui-Gon's lightsaber to him in midair And then he chops Maul in half and Maul falls down the pit He rushes over to Qui-Gon whose dying wish is that in spite of what the Jedi Council has uh, ruled Obi-Wan must train the boy Obi-Wan goes and tells Yoda this and Yoda still isn't game But eventually he can be convinced that even though it's dangerous. It's what Qui-Gon really wanted They have a a fairly gruesome cremation ceremony for Qui-Gon uh, where Obi-Wan vows to be a master for Anakin, mm-hmm. and Yoda and Mace Windu explain for our benefit the rule of two. And then there's a big celebration where Boss Nass clutches a glowing orb in front of everybody, and it's very uh, uh, very similar to the end of A New Hope. What is the glowing orb? I don't know. Because <laughs> like, they don't do a good job of explaining to us what those uh, electric Boomba things are. But you can kind of figure it out. You can figure it out pretty quick. But they're, they're like, a dumb weapon. Uh they're like they were created well against droids, but I don't know what the hell a, the Gungans would have that specifically, like a tech, like an EMP sort of. Um, I, I don't know. Maybe it sends an electric shock to even like uh. Disju- like do the Gungans themselves ever accidentally like zap themselves? No, with they're the able. They're able to handle them. Okay, but, so that would mean that it's but. Jar Jar accidentally releases this big onslaught of them at one point, and he's he's running for for dear yeah. life. well, maybe it's the, the force at which it strikes its object. Yeah, maybe. Um, so that'd be interesting because they're pretty cool, and if you can hit them against a human and it would electrocute them, that'd be cool. But if not, then they're extremely specific, and I don't know why they were so well-prepared with droid-disabling technology. <laughs> uh, but I don't know what this orb is that Boss Nass is holding up at the end that's supposed to be, like, some great triumph. I must be some sort of offering of the Naboo people. Uh, is, is that the last we see of Boss Nass? Has he ever heard from again in the... Uh, Boss Nass, I think is, I think he's seen in, um, in Attack of the Clones. I could be wrong, but I think he's seen maybe at a point. Okay. Uh, or maybe someone of his species. I don't know why I'm thinking that because I don't know when that would be. Uh, but no, I'm, I believe there is a new uh, leader of the, the Gungan, of Gungan City, Uh, by the time of the Clone Wars. But we interact with the Gungans so little from here on out that it doesn't even really matter to us. Exactly. I I think there's a Clone War episode that I can remember that involves uh, Boss Nass' replacement. So we could have a discussion about what won the 20. And I have a few ideas for some cool things in the 20. Mm. But there's just no arguing the coolest thing in this 20 is one of the coolest things in... However, many movies there are now, which is the greatest ever Star Wars lightsaber duel. It is, right? I think Anakin and Obi Wan and Mustafar. I don't know, man. The the Tarzan part is stupid, but if you take that part out, then it really is exceptional, and there's a lot of weight behind it. And when you look at how, like, it's a longer duel as well, and I don't know, just the conversation back and forth, like, I, that that one wins it for me. I think the Mustafar duel is maybe better filmmaking. I think yeah. it's better storytelling uh, because the passion is really real. It's almost like we're lost of passion in the duel of fates because it's just this great lights yeah, show. exactly. Until uh, somebody actually gets downed mm-hmm. and Obi-Wan really like lays it on thick. Certainly, that's where it gets uh, very heartfelt. Leading up to that, it's just kind of a parade. Yeah, but that's what I like about the one on Mustafar is because it's so fast paced and so in sync and it's people give you people often give it the criticism that it's so over rehearsed yeah but no these two have been fighting side by side for like well over a decade they know each other like the back of their hand that's true they're going to be able to counter each other's moves like back and forth and it would be lightning fast did you know this is the only star wars movie and i'm talking main timeline because i don't want to speak for rogue one or solo fair enough uh this is the only Star Wars movie that doesn't say the word lightsaber. Oh, really? That's interesting. Isn't that fascinating? We see, we hear laser sword from, from Anakin yeah. on Tatooine. They never say... But it's interesting that they wouldn't be inclined to say lightsaber just because it's one of those buzzwords, and this movie was the comeback of Star Wars. To be honest, I'm surprised there aren't more. Okay? I'm kind of surprised that of the eight movies we've seen, that only one doesn't say the word lightsaber well something star wars is is known for is having all of these identified objects and people that actually aren't labeled mm-hmm. uh it's because of toys That's where it started yeah definitely i think boba fett is maybe the prime example yeah it's a great one although he does mention his name in the holiday special <laughs> okay and then his name is said in in return of the jedi but yeah they, he literally in the holiday special says hi i'm boba fett <laughs> boba fett boba fett it's said in return of the Jedi for sure, but it's yeah. not said in. Anyway, lightsabers. It's interesting that lightsaber has become the definitive name for what that object is. Mm-hmm. Like there's no question that's what they're called first. Yep. But they're often called other things. Well, cuz George calls them laser sword. So does Mark Hamill's characters. Yeah, characters. well cuz likely because George called it that on set a lot, it wouldn't surprise me. That's what Anakin calls it. It seems to me it's called that just as much. Yeah. It's the Maz Kanata's and whatever that that call it a lightsaber. Yeah, I mean, I don't really know. I think that's just a George not caring about the little consistencies of those sort of things. And I think it was done that way in uh, The Last Jedi to mock the notion yeah. that everybody wanted Luke Skywalker to just go out with a fucking lightsaber and take on the entire First Order. Right. I loved that line. And that's my favorite Luke Skywalker in what that line? movie. Um, but do you expect me to go up with my laser sword and take on the First Order? Whatever right. that line is right, specifically. Right um but like of course it's, it's 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 a ridiculous notion i don't well the notion is ridiculous but i'm just talking about the phrasing of the different terms for that particular device i'm it's trying to i'm trying to think of it objectively it's very hard uh to think of anything star wars objectively we all have opinions and certain mm-hmm. things are just a fact yep like they're called a lightsaber before they're called a laser sword but if i'm going into this completely blank slate I'm not so sure laser sword isn't a better name for them. And if I was creating Star Wars, I think I'm more inclined to call it a laser sword. Probably. It does definitely make more sense in that regard. Uh, the Jedi Knights. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And that makes sense. And a light sword sounds weird. Although a saber. But I think saber, if not for lightsabers, the word saber isn't part of our vernacular anymore. Not really. That's true. Yeah, that's a good point. Maybe so. Maybe laser sword would be the one. That. So, uh, what specifically about Duel of Fates do we want to zero in on? I, I have uh, the music. Let's start there. Oh, John of, will Fates. Yeah. Come on, John. Yeah, he. That was maybe one of the most beautiful pieces of. Oh yeah, just epic. Easily top five. It's yeah, it's incredible. I have a lot of uh, curiosities about the force fields specifically within that reactor area. Yep. Um, What are they? Why are they? And why does Qui-Gon choose to behave the way he does around them? uh, He's conserving energy, I guess, but is he having some kind of spiritual moment when he chooses to meditate then? Yes. Um, So it's another example and just one of the many that shows why Qui-Gon is one of the only true Jedis. Okay. Uh, And they're called laser gates. Uh, so they're not necessarily a force field in that same sort of way. I guess the same way what the Gungans are using are not force fields either. Yeah, well, I mean, it's all, I guess, part of the same... It's energy. Yeah, but the reason why specifically it's not considered the same as a force field is because they can't walk through them. Right, okay. So Darth Maul even tries to... He slashes it once with his lightsaber to see that he can't get through it. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think that's just purely an example of Qui-Gon truly kind of zeroing in on the force and the will of the force and what needs to be done and like clearing his mind the a very key jedi term yep uh that's what i see him doing he's just he's clearing his mind and he's readying himself again um and duel of the fates for me it's it's a lot better because you can see it uh, come back in, in little pieces here and there uh, like they play the song "Duel of the Fates" very subtly at one key key point in Rebels when Vader and Ahsoka face off, and like when you referenced having the higher ground, like who's to say if that one little line in Revenge of the Sith was meant to represent so much about yeah. Jedi and combat philosophy for all of Star Wars? But it does seem to reference everything Obi Wan's career as a as a. Uh, I went through A and soldier. I, I went through and I really like I I dug deep and I and I looked through and I was just ranking like my top favorite Star Wars moments. Mm. Like of all the Star Wars like the I am your father and all those like my favorite moment in Star Wars is uh you and my brother. you and my brother Anakin, I loved you. Yeah. It is actually maybe the most devastating line. It is it, it's yeah. just heartbreaking. Yeah. And it falls very much in line with like the high ground that Obi-Wan has and the irony that comes from it, but the experience that he has that Anakin doesn't and the reason why it like, literally, the number of times, like Anakin knows exactly what happened with Qui-Gon's death yep. and what Obi-Wan did to kill Maul. Yep. And so arrogantly trying to do that to Obi-Wan and Obi-Wan's calmness gets the better of Anakin. But the exact same thing actually happens when Maul and Obi-Wan face off again for the last time. Yeah. Is that's only a three-strike duel. yeah. And it's because after the first strike, Maul goes for the same thing that he did to Qui-Gon. He tries to check Obi-Wan in the face with his lightsaber. And Obi-Wan's learned from it. And that. Obi-Wan's learned from it. That's really great storytelling. And, and just to go back to that piece of dialogue in Revenge of the Sith again, uh, you were my brother. The specifically, I loved you part. Yeah. Uh, Anakin's next line is, I hate you. And that is another symbolic way to illustrate the higher ground. Yeah. And the, and, and the Jedi as being pacifists and... Uh, being pure hearted and for the good. Oh, absolutely. I mean it's it, there's so many layers to it. You can really unpack it and there's even other layers to that 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 wasn't initially the dialogue. Is that right? So initially the dialogue was you're uh, you're uh, you my brother Anakin. I love you, but I can't save you because he because right before it Anakin screamed, "Save me." That's also good. And I'm also into that. So he says, "Save me." And then he says, "You're my brother Anakin." I love you, but I can't save you. And that's when Anakin's eyes turn yellow for the final time, and he screams, I hate you. Why did they change it? Uh, they changed it because Ewan McGregor actually said specifically, that doesn't work for me, George. You said this to George, but specifically. Because he would die trying to save Anakin? Because that's what he said. He said, if Anakin was still alive, then he would have he, he would do anything. Yeah. It's not, I, It has to be, I loved you. It has to be over. It has to be a past tense there. Yeah. And then I don't know if it works with, I loved you, but I can't save you. It doesn't yeah. necessarily have the same punch. And so no, they, yeah, it's the, too late to th- save you. Yeah the, yeah, the two of them, uh, they, they just agreed that it would be uh, better to go that way and more in line with the character, Where which is true. Oh, you and McGregor. I know. That's excellent. Such a great way to unpack that line and really makes it... Because, I mean, it sounds great at first thought, but when you really think about it, it makes way more sense this way. Yeah. And that it but re- I do like the image of Obi-Wan saying the thing that turns Vader's eyes evil. Well, he still does. Yeah. Yeah. It is still that that very line of, um, I loved you. And then, I and hate you. Yeah. Yeah. Which he does not. No. Does, does Darth Vader hate Obi-Wan? He doesn't, yes. right? Yes, he does. He hates him with everything he has, but. Uh, we'll unpack that. I don't know if I agree with that. Well, it. That's the thing is, Darth Vader does. Darth and, and and that's where the weird line blurs is Palpatine's warped him so much against the Jedi, yeah, that it's in like literally what drives him is to kill Obi-Wan and Yoda. Like that's is what drives him. I just don't know if I see it that way. I have a hard time seeing where that is present in the original trilogy Darth Vader. I see Darth Vader as uh, somebody who won't be crossed mm-hmm. and won't be questioned and certainly somebody who wants as much power as possible. But he seems to be obsessed with Obi-Wan in in almost a non-threatened kind of way in, in the original trilogy. He talks about him all the time in almost a reverent kind of way. Well, it's usually to disparage Obi-Wan, but it's also like I know how important this guy is to both of us. Well, I think it's partly uh, him... Just kind of taking a fuck you position. Yeah. Because for him, he hated that Obi-Wan, he felt like Obi-Wan kept him, held him back. Right. He felt like Obi-Wan and the Jedi and the, the their teachings, but the way that Obi-Wan would like punish him for doing certain things, it would be cross with him if we want to quote Attack of the Clones. Yeah. Um, he but- hates the Jedi. Well, no, but certainly Palpatine hates the Jedi. Yes, but specifically Obi-Wan, because Obi-Wan was his connection to the Jedi. Right. So as much as he hates the Jedi, his most direct connections to the Jedi are Oda, Oda, uh, Obi-Wan and Yoda. Yeah. And so they're the people that he resents the most, especially because Obi-Wan was there to train him, to teach him, to protect him. And he doesn't feel like he did those things. He didn't feel like Obi-Wan... Helped him grow whereas Mm -hmm. Palpatine was willing to do anything to help him grow and then when Vader got that power The power and the anger balance He was no longer able to keep it in check and then it goes full force and power and the arrogance that comes with that And then when he became so arrogant, it's just a matter of well This is Obi-Wan's this weak old man. Let me have my way where I can just Destroy him because the last time I was a little bitch Mm -hmm. and now I want to make sure that he knows the real Darth Vader Not Anakin that he knows a real Darth Vader. That's the way I kind of see it. Pretty important line in this movie is one of the last lines said, We are indebted to you for your bravery, Obi-Wan Kenobi. And you, young Skywalker. We will watch your career with great interest. Is pretty powerful. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. The uh, name of the episode, uh, Always Two There Are. Yeah, that probably that probably is good. You know what? I, I agree with that. And certainly, uh, I think now this is pod racing is definitely a take back. But I also don't hate it. No, I know. It is a take back because it's just a bad line. Well, it's a bad. It's poorly delivered. Bad delivery. But it makes sense because this is like the first chance he's had to really experience piloting at this level. He's he's called the pilot and that's like a really intense version of his piloting. Mm. But this is for real. And so it's kind of like, it's not a time where you would say something so surfer dude-esque. No, and because he says so many other things that are not appropriate, like, A nine-year-old would be way more terrified in this situation. So it it just doesn't work because there's so many of those other things. Exactly. Uh, Before we move off Duel of Fates, I just have one more question. When Obi-Wan is hanging off that sconce... In the pit. Yep. And Darth Maul is taunting him. He's kind of like slashing his, mm. he's thrashing his lightsaber against the, the edge and making sparks and stuff. I can see how that's kind of fun for him. But if he wants to finish off Obi-Wan, a little force push would have knocked him off that sconce. Yep, absolutely. Uh, and that's the reason why Pal- Palpatine was done with him. Yeah, he when, was too when, much of a showboat. Yeah, when he found out that uh that's how Obi-Wan killed maul yeah he was disgusted by that he was so like are you kidding me uh and he got to the po- well when maul came back palpatine was not happy and he locked him up and really yeah there's uh where does, where does darth maul go when he falls down that pit because trash uh, planet yeah i know but like something something that always kind of confused me when i was a kid is when luke falls down that shaft yeah in empire strikes back like how are how is every bone in his body not shattered when he hits metal i don't know uh and the same thing would happen to to darth maul i mean unless he's got uh uh an aluminum skeleton like wolverine Mm. no i really don't know that's a good point uh maybe it's some form of like gravitational swirl or something that like slows your force because especially with luke and empire He's he's sliding by the end. Yeah. Oh, I know you're right. He almost gets sucked into it. Yeah, that's kind of what I mean. Like, it, There's something that slows it down to then like almost direct you a certain place. Did, did George Lucas know that Darth Maul was not dead? No. No, I'm, Like that was decided later on. I'm, okay. pretty, I'm almost positive. I only ask because when it, it, Palpatine dies, and I do, he actually does die by being thrown down a pit. There's yeah. that big eruption of energy. Oh, yeah. And that doesn't exist with Darth Maul. But then yeah. again, Darth Maul was objectively not as evil as Palpatine. No, he just didn't have remotely the the pent-up evil <laughs> can we agree open cremations are gnarly yeah i mean there's two of them so far <laughs> yeah in star and wars they but... like show us the body for a while and it's not like melting the way a body no, would not at all <laughs> it's just a body and it would just become gory it would yeah. be disgusting yeah it really would be yeah uh, and it's funny because that's a jedi like carcass that we see and it's probably like, the first jedi carcass we see Yeah, why is that? What's the difference? We've talked about it before, but considering Qui-Gon was capable of becoming a Force ghost, He Uh, he was not not fully. He was not able to retain his form. Okay. Only his his conscience. Because his body was destroyed in the battle. Yes, exactly. Makes sense. Makes sense. Uh, Well, no, not necessarily. Not because he was stabbed in that regard. No? No, it was uh, purely on the basis of he just didn't learn enough. Oh, okay. Yeah, and be, and then by burning the body, that also doesn't help. Let's do a couple of quotes. It wasn't... Yeah. Uh, it, I mean, like most climaxes in Star Wars, it wasn't... Well, actually, I, I take that back. There's lots of great dialogue in the last 20 minutes of many Star Wars movies. Yes. This isn't one of those movies. Uh, there's a lot of like, off-lines that are said here and there. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got a few of those. Uh, one of my favorites, again, terrible line, but one of my favorites is, I think you can kiss your trade franchise goodbye. Yeah, that is pretty good. <laughs> I didn't put that down, but that's a pretty good one, actually. It's so silly. Um, uh, An Anakin. Uh, this is tense. That's worse than... Yeah, that's racing. way, worse. way uh, worse. I have uh, Qui-Gon here. The wheel handle this. Yeah, that's for good. The, for the Darth Maul. Yeah, that was pretty good. Another bad Anakin. Go back. Qui-Gon told me to stay in this cockpit. So that's what I'm going to do. <laughs> try spinning that's a good trick i'll try spinning that's a good trick yeah i was gonna say that's the next like when it comes to of the take backs good shit uh captain tarples has an ouch time line so that's a bad one really yeah ouch time yeah all right uh always two there are no more no less a master and an apprentice excellent line yep uh, yoda's line the chosen one the boy may be nevertheless grave danger i fear in his training uh now viceroy we will discuss a new treaty yeah i like that one that is a good line yeah the republic is not what it once was the senate is full of greedy squabbling delegates there is no interest in the common good i must be frank your majesty there is little chance the senate will act on the invasion Ooh, palpatine yeah Mm. okay being frank that's kind of all i got for, for the for the quotes anyway uh yep no that is uh yeah you mentioned the Palpatine one Watching your career with great interest That's all the quotes I have And that's all the bad quotes I have too Well you mentioned the great music In this 20 a minute ago With that song Duel of Fates One of my favorite pieces Of Star Wars trivia ever I don't know I'm sure you know this But we don't think we've ever Talked about it Is that There's also an amazing piece of music In the final parade <laughs> That's a really great celebration anthem. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you take that song and you change it from a major key to a minor key and you slow it down, it's the emperor's theme. That is so cool. Yeah, that really is. That is true like music genius right there. Yeah, well, what John Williams has done, and even the subtleties, and why so many people were convinced, and I still think it can absolutely still be done this way, and rumors swirling around it um, still leave the door open, in my opinion, uh, that because when they played, so in Revenge of the Sith, the opera scene, the music of Darth uh, Plagueis the Wise. Yep. That is the same as Snoke's music. Oh yeah. So, like, like these kind of parallels—they're not uncommon in Star Wars, and they're always ins- insanely good. And actually, it's well, just writing an opera. That's what opera is—is is musical themes that reoccur. Mm. Well, one thing that's also interesting, and you you mentioned it a little while back about how the final moment of um, uh, of Anakin's life—they play a kind of mellowed down Imperial March. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so apparently that's part of Anakin's theme, and at the time, Imperial March was also Vader's theme. They just de- deemed them kind of the same thing, course, and so they yeah. they made their own Anakin's theme. And they that should is- they should be uh, relatives, though, yeah. Those two pieces, yeah, which makes it really cool. Just like another example of that. So for uh, a Plagueis the Wise piece of music and a, Sto- a Snoke piece of music to be so similar. You can read that a couple of different ways. You can read that very literally and be yep. like, "Oh, this is def- This definitely means they're the same person." Or you could just say, "The daunting specter of evil." Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of different ways you can view it. It was a very specific one, though. So, so who knows? And Plagueis, I think, is the perfect level. Like I always felt that he was the perfect level of obscure that would make super fans extremely happy, right? And uh, common fans would not, or like. Just the movie fans, for example, wouldn't feel weird or confused by it at all. Why was Qui-Gon so confident that he and Obi-Wan could handle Darth Maul alone? He'd already faced this guy, knew he was kind of, knew he was the real deal, and he was standing there with 30 people. They probably could have, like... Oh, that would be because he wanted to... Protect the Queen? Protect the Queen, absolutely, yeah. That's him being the noble, this is our job. Yeah. Uh, And remember, Sith Lords are their speciality. and and, (laughs) And he also didn't... I anticipate the double-sided lightsaber like no, nobody did no exactly, it just was a long ass hilt otherwise for them, right. right in that same scene, uh Padme shouts, Get to, your ships. Get to your ships and it's very British, yes, I actually have that, I think, down here as um, yeah, Padme is accidentally British when she says, Get to your ships, Get to your ships. yeah, <laughs> so that's an I'm sure that was not intentional, but it kind of feels like it's an interesting nod that's oh, perfect, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's so dumb that it just keeps like it happening. like your damn daughter. Who on these sets is not noticing this? <laughs> I also have another take back here is, why the fuck didn't Obi-Wan use force speed to catch up to Qui-Gon and Maul through the laser gates? Yeah. He's already used force speed this movie. <laughs> right. But, I mean, those laser gates just kind of appear all at once. He might not have been able to... Yeah, but he, he doesn't get through them on the second half. And he was just jogging up to them. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Like... It's interesting. The it he also work. does he does a remarkable force jump in that sequence a few minutes before. Yeah, and they it's, don't show it. They don't, and it's insane. Yeah, it's it is insane. Yeah, um, because there are way more instances where Jedi would use that, but they exactly. use it in the same way in the Clone Wars too. So no, I, what Luke does a really good one in I think Return of the Jedi too. He does a pretty super duper. In fact, it might be Empire Strikes Back. He does a crazy force jump, and. Yeah, if it was something they're so capable of, it would come in handy oh, more often. Oh, yeah. I think the crazy one's Empire. Yeah, he does one in both of them, but the crazy one's an Empire, actually, yeah. So it's actually not a skill set you need to have a whole lot of training for. Guess not. Good point. Although he is Luke. Yeah, that is true, and he can kind of do a lot of things. Any way. trivia for me? Uh, Yeah, sure. All of my trivia for you is Darth Maul related. Really? Yeah. That's an interesting way to go about it. So that means I, I, I know we won't have any double ups. Okay. So that's good. Cool. Um... What color lasers do the Naboo blasters shoot? Pink? No, green. 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 Yeah, I can picture it now. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Do the yellow ships also shoot green or are they pink? Uh, I think they're green, but I don't remember. I can't decide if I really like those ships or think they're real dumb. (laughs) They kind of look like dune buggies, but they're also kind of sleek. Yeah, they're kind of cool. Yeah. And they're like... They're yellow, which is more than you can say for a lot of Star Wars ships, which are just very industrial looking. Yeah, it's called the N1 Starship. Yeah. Yeah. I had that down as one of my alternative trivia questions, because I know I won't be needing my alternatives this week. How many total minutes of screen screen time does Darth Maul have? Ah, damn it. Uh, Darth Maul would have a total of... I'm going to guess... It would have been definitely less than Vader... a new hope and vader and a new hope is in like i think like the 12 to 13 minute range so i'm gonna say he has seven minutes of screen time he has six minutes oh i was close yeah and it feels like more uh maybe not to the degree that darth vader feels like more than 12 minutes but it feels like more because duel of fates goes on for so long but it's really just these short little snippets yep no i know i was just yeah i guess it makes sense uh, Six I would th- three th- lines of dialogue for what it's worth. I would have thought that the laser gates would have, oh, like that scene just alone would have let, racked up uh, enough to maybe twenty seconds. Yeah, I guess that's a yeah. good point. Yeah. All right. Um, what I, is the uh, what's the name of the celebration at the end of the movie? Oh boy. Um, is there any way I could guess? Yeah, it? actually, it's not. It's not remotely. Um, it's, it's very generic. Let me put it that way. The. The Chancellor's inauguration. No, it didn't have anything to do with that. Uh, (laughs) I thought it was kind of a celebration for him. No. No? No, it was a celebration for peace. Oh, okay. But he had been elected. Yeah, but it was about the peace between um, the Naboo people and the Gungans and their win against the Trade Federation. Okay. Uh, Freedom Day. Freedom Day. Yeah, that's kind of lame. Yeah. Yeah, that's weak. How many horns does Darth Maul have? 10? Yeah, it is 10. How'd you do that? I was... I, I thought I knew that one. I don't know why. It is 10. But... Nice. Yeah. Is that was that a knight or a master question? It's a knight question. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> we may as well get to them right now. Um, how many laser gates are there in the hallway? Oh, wow. That's a good one. I, I, I was proud of that one. It was a clever question. It's more than... I usually go for the what species is this sort of shit. Okay, so there's... There's one on either side of Qui-Gon and separated from Darth Maul by one. And I guess there's one on either side of them. So three, I'm going to say four? Six. There's six. Okay. (laughs) All right. How many times in the film does Darth Maul blink? What? Uh. Oh. I actually think I can guess this. Because he barely has any screen time. He barely has any face time. He would be staring intently. However, when he's cut in half, he blinks. So it's either once or twice. Depends on if he blinks once or twice when he's cut in half. I said once. It is once. Nice. Just one blink in the whole movie. Isn't that kind of twisted? That is. It kind of adds to his menace to know that. It really does. Yeah. Yeah. That is creepy. I know. I can picture the blink though. Yeah, me too. Yeah, well, and that's that's where I read about it too. It was like you know that blink. That's the only one. Yeah, yeah. Ray Park is so good in that role for a guy who doesn't even use his own voice in the role. Totally, but that's like a thing in Star Wars. Oh yeah, it's it's definitely a thing in Star Star Wars, Wars, and it's great because Sam Witwer and him now have like I love that in Solo because they merged the two elements of Maul that like Sam Witwer is Maul. So, Mm. what is he the is Darth Maul the only Sith Lord who was never previously a Jedi? Um, well, Palpatine was Pal- never Palpatine a, wasn't here, never a Jedi. Um, there aren't many featured, uh but Count Dooku, Invader, and, and yeah, I mean, there's there are a few uh old Republic Je- Jedi and Sith that are be re re-be- be becoming canon. Okay. Um, like they're being confirmed here and there, and so some of them would fall into that category probably. But I even know of one of them who's become canon again, and uh, even he was started as a Jedi. So, yep. um yeah and kylo ren who's not technically a Sith Lord but that kind of is a is a qualifying yeah kind of follows that same sort of path for sure for sure uh i only have a couple other things to say i I think that the way they dispense battle droids on the field is super cool super cool yeah uh and when they blow up the trade federation and the piece kind of falls off that's a very cool image uh, which one? It's like, it almost looks like the Titanic when it's when it's vertical and it splits in half. Oh yeah, that a, is a cool image. A piece of it just kind of crumples off. Yeah, I know which one you're talking and about. And it's very cool. Yeah, that is cool. And it was interesting because it doesn't feel like a repetition of the Death Star because right. that ship isn't the main, like, it's pretty similar actually to um, the notion in Return of the Jedi actually. Yeah. Uh, well, having to shut down a uh, you have to shut down the uh, the generator, right. the force field generator, versus shutting down the battle droids. But so. it doesn't blow up in one big flash of light. Yeah, and it's not like the entire premise of the movie. It's not the MacGuffin. It's not. Exactly. Is that is that the right use of the term MacGuffin? I think so. I'm not. I'm not. Every time I try and define MacGuffin, I end up defining red herring, and they're not at all the same thing. Uh, okay. So I'm I'm not really qualified to answer that. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. I think this is the MacGuffin then. Drives yeah, it, the plot. It drives the plot. Yeah. Good mm-hmm. enough. That's all I got for the 20. It was, uh, well, no, I also wanted to say that after the credits, you can hear Darth Vader's breathing, which yeah. is very cool. It is really cool. Yeah. Um. I don't have a whole lot here either as well. We have a lot of news. Okay, let's get to it. Um. So, yeah. Yep, let's get right to the news. Okay. So, I've broken it up because there's a lot. So, let's go right to Extended Canon. Master and Apprentice, the Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan book. Yep very cool cover that is now out for it show it to you here that is very cool i mean it just looks like phantom menace yep yeah, it's just uh it's cool to to just see that that we're getting another story from that timeline i'm, I'm super excited for that one that's by claudia gray uh, I'm it bums me out that see i might even want to read that book but it's going to come out in hardcover and i want a trade paperback i want to be able to stuff that in my backpack yeah audiobooks i know audible yeah. all the way i absolutely love it because then you get to hear like the sound effects of Star Wars—it's so theatrical. Yeah, the I'm going to ask for Audible for Christmas. I think Audible is awesome. It's so great. It's yeah. so great. Um, but it's—I'm uh, reading. I read Claudia Gray's Lost Stars, and now I'm about a third of the way done. Leia, Princess Valderon, also yeah. al- also Claudia Gray. Uh, it's it's interesting. Leia is, I think, uh, it's just right after her 16th birthday, uh, and so she's kind of going through the trials of becoming uh, a princess and. Uh, it's interesting. It really is. You, you get to learn a lot about the start of the rebellion. You get to learn a lot about Bail Organa and the Organa household and how that dynamic worked. And I would be into that. That it's, sounds very it's cool. It's super interesting. Like yeah. Bail Organa, he's the, the viceroy, the senator, the external representative, whereas Leia's mother, um, Bria, I believe, uh, she's the queen. So she governs Alderaan. Right. And so one of them is the internal and one of them is the external face for the planet. So Leia is really like royalty to the max (laughs) it's so interesting that they had to rewrite the the way in which leia is a princess after the fact because he just haphazardly was like well leia was a princess so i better make her mom a queen and Mm -hmm. we'll figure it out later and And then just it didn't work didn't work at all so they had to find a new way in which she was a princess Mm -hmm. that was george not thinking things through very well and not like a bloodline Sort of princess. Bloodline is one I'll probably read soon. Uh, just keep going to my Leia kick. She's just like a political princess because that's a, a political term in her realm. Well, actually, the main thing really with uh, this book that's cool to see is that she does have more of her uh, adopted father's traits and yeah. her birth mother's traits. Uh, so she very much was born to be a senator and in politics as opposed to a doting royalty. Right. Yeah. Leia, you mean. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like She was she was built to serve, built to be a general, built to be a politician. Yeah. Um, a little bit of information on Galaxy's Edge. Uh, new Millennium Falcon ride for six people will be open. Uh, Hondo Onaka uh, will be running his Hondo Onaka's Transport Solutions where he gets to send crew on missions to Corellia, uh, which is now controlled by the First Order. The Falcon will be visible from outside the ride. Your crew will have uh, some kind of encounter with Hondo before boarding the mission uh, on Batu, which would be the planet where Galaxy's Edge is. Uh, you have to travel towards Krellia on random missions. Uh, you get involved in a race, potentially. Uh, you have to send uh, some crew to a shipyard, potentially. I think kind of the way they're going for it is similar to the way you would do, like, an escape room where there are, like, tasks you have to do. That's and things fun. Are, things are going off. It's interactive. It's very interactive. It's, like, running the ship, and you are six people, so you have your crew in that regard. It, right. sounds, it sounds pretty cool. It does, yeah. Um, uh, Resistance. Uh, I haven't watched it yet. It's think, out? Yeah, Resistance is out. First, like, four episodes are out. I thought they were saving it for the streaming service. No, no, no. Resistance is out. They're saving Clone Wars and um, Clone Wars in The Mandalorian for the streaming service. Oh, Lord. Okay. Yeah. This is big. Yeah. Have you heard anything about... Well, the reason why it's not as big is because everybody's already put it together that Dave Filoni's show is The Mandalorian, not this one. Okay. Because Dave Filoni's producer, but he's not involved in the day to day, apparently. So, well, it's funny you mentioned that. I don't want to necessarily move you off of the resistance if you have more to say about it. I don't it. have much. But, like, it's been a couple weeks since we did a podcast, and in that time, those set photos came out of The Mandalorian. Well, then let's just switch to The Mandalorian. And now right we know now. that's what it's called. Yeah, The Mandalorian. It's good title. John Favreau's show. John Favreau's show. There uh, was initially going to be 10 episodes, but uh, that was misreported. Apparently, it's eight episodes. You said in the past you're not so wild about Mandalore. Uh, yeah, but this is not going to be about Mandalore. Mandalore and that's what I'm super excited about okay. so the only reason why I'm not wild about Mandalore is I'm not wild about Mandalore's political culture and uh the way that it's like divided amongst families and it's very interesting it's just it's not my favorite part of Star Wars by any means right. but what this story is supposed to be and uh I guess just let me open up the link here so I can read John Favreau's post uh, after the stories of Django and Boba Fett, another warrior emerges in the Star Wars universe. The Mandalorian is set after the fall of the Empire and before the emergence of the First Order. We follow the travails of a lone gunfighter in the Outer reaches of the galaxy, far from the authority of the New Republic. Cool, awesome, because that right there tells me that it's the Outer Rim. They're not on Mandalore. This is a Mandalorian out there in the galaxy. He's a gun. He's like a gunslinger. Uh, this is making me think that it's going to be someone similar to uh, a Boba Fett or a Django Fett, with maybe more of a moral compass than yeah. those two. He'll have to have more layers. Yeah, He'll be a more de- sorry, more developed person. Exactly, and it's interesting because uh, he could be a good guy. Some people have thought that the title The Mandalorian is meant to be representing that it's almost reclaiming its. Uh, its face in certain parts of the galaxy. Right. Uh, the the face of a Mandalorian because Mandalore is very to itself. Mm. Uh, it's very much uh, an internal system. It doesn't really play ball with the rest of the galaxy. It's independent. It's independent. Thank you. Uh, yeah, because I think it's the leader of independent systems is what it's called or something. Uh, I was looking for the word. Thanks. <laughs> uh, but specifically, this means that it's not going to necessarily be as closed off with that. And this guy could be out on a mission to kind of like put a new face to what The Mandalorian reputation is, and we know a little bit more about the way the political landscape changed leading into, um, like, uh, the Battle of Yavin timeframe at the end of Rebels, but we don't really know anything of what uh, Mandalore has been through the original trilogy timeline. Okay. So they have a lot of flexibility with this show, which is really exciting. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm psyched. And that's a real ways off, but it's cool to learn some things. Yeah, we got an awesome first photo of the Mandalorian, and we also got a photo of uh, a little ice cream maker looking machine thingy that's like (laughs) a computer part. And uh, the other prop that we got was uh, his rifle, so the Mandalorian's rifle. Oh, yeah. And it looks cool as hell. It's apparently modeled right after, and I saw a picture of it, and it absolutely is. It's modeled after Boba Fett's gun in the Holiday special. No kidding. Yeah. Sure. I mean, why not? When he's riding like (laughs) a dinosaur in the holiday special, the gun he's got strapped to his back is the gun that Favreau's got made for this character. Looks like it's going to be gritty. It's going to be an underbelly. And that's what I want. I want greasy. Yeah. I'm really excited. The Western style. Mm -hmm. uh, Yeah. I'm just stoked for it. Uh, Pedro Pascal, uh, as people have denied it, but he is the rumored star. Uh, He's the rumored Mandalorian. He's from Game of Thrones. He is from Game of Thrones Uh, and Narcos as well. Uh, Neither show I've watched. Both shows I intend to watch at some point. Now, isn't it interesting that the Game of Thrones showrunners are doing a Star Wars show, and there's a Star Wars show possibly starring a guy from Game of Thrones, but the two are not the same? Yeah, that is kind of interesting. But uh, there's a lot of... I mean, there's going to be a lot of people who are going to have carryover from Game of Thrones. I mean, Amelia Clark's the first one, but that's, that's true. It's going to be a long line of them. You're right. Kid Harrington wants to be in a Star Wars movie. Yeah, nice looking British people with beards. That works. Yeah. Really works really well. Sure. So. It does. Yeah, sure. It <laughs> Why does. not? For,
1: of course. Yeah. yeah.
0: And like they've just taken a bunch of great actors, so it's not like the Star Wars is going to be like, oh, well, all the good actors are gone. We're no. screwed. Right. Uh, but that's really exciting. Uh, I think it really has got a Star Wars look. I think it would fit in, in the role really well. Uh, and then they have the list of all the directors. So for the eight episodes, it uh, goes in order Dave Filoni, Rick Famayua. Uh, I hope I said that right. Uh, Deborah Chow. First ever female Star Wars director. Yeah, woohoo. That's awesome. And then Bryce Dallas Howard. The witch is so great. That's so cool. And then Dave Filoni, and then Rick Famayua, uh, Deborah Chow, and then Taika Waititi. Who is Tycho Waititi? He did Thor Ragnarok. And, Cabin uh, in the Woods. Yeah, and a couple others. Yeah. Uh, a couple. Uh, nerd culture director. Yeah, he, he very much so. Yeah. Uh, and also an actor as well. Uh, has as many acting and directing credits. Uh, and interestingly, rumored, both him and Bryce Dallas Howard are going to have roles as well. Great. In the show. Now, my guess is, and it's rumored that they're going to be small roles, but my guess is Bryce Dallas Howard That's the reason why she's directing an episode. I think she has a much bigger role. Yeah, maybe. My guess is she's going to be one of the main characters. Mm -hmm. And as a result, use this as, well, then can I direct an episode too? And they were like, well, yeah, of course. Uh, Just considering that her namesake and she has, I think, the smallest bit of experience, but not much really. So she's getting her teeth, cutting her teeth on a pretty cool project. But it's becoming a family business. Yeah, which is great. That's great. Yeah, got nothing wrong with that at all. The Kazdins, as much as Solo is eh, Kasdan's I got nothing against. <laughs> no, that's that's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Uh yeah, so I don't think there's really a whole lot more to say about Mandalorian. Not too much left. Uh, we been going through the news pretty quick, actually. That's great. Uh, but episode nine. Uh, so some great filming locations have been revealed and some very strong rumors. All right. So this is really cool. Uh, spoilers if... Uh, yeah, spoiler alert, because this is something that will probably have spoilers in it. Okay. Uh, so what was seen in Jordan. So there's definitely going to be filming in Jordan. That's the one spot that's confirmed. Uh, and what's been seen from a great distance are cutouts of Nemoidians. Oh, so those like Nuke Gunray, the yeah. Viceroy from Phantom Menace. Yeah, so they could be making a return. That's weird. Weird choice, eh? But you know what? It I also like. I wouldn't, for the same reason, I wouldn't even be upset if they brought Gun Guns back, just because it's better to. Just own what you have yep, and, do it, and do it better. Yep, absolutely. I completely agree. Yeah. And that's the reason why I'm sometimes bothered by too many new aliens. Like, enrich the species that exist a right. little more. Right. I want to know you, more about them. You know, you didn't like the Viceroy or Jar Jar, but presumably there are good characters in their cultures. Yeah, and maybe some of them don't have as stupid a voice and they're not as Always. racist. They can't do the racist voice. It's got to be better than that. Something. yeah. Some um but so that's jordan and jordan the only place they filmed jordan for before was Jeddah from rogue one yeah but when you look at the the photos it could be tatooine it could be jakku or it could be Jeddah. um but it would most it's most likely tatooine or most likely jakku yeah i'd be shocked if it wasn't jakku right uh the other places are uh rumored but like like rumored that are they're everywhere yeah this is they're pretty likely uh ireland italy and california C- cool ireland is octu okay that would be where luke was in right. the last that Jedi. looks irish they've been there before well yeah octu, that's where they filmed filmed it before yeah. that's the island yeah okay yeah uh italy is naboo no kidding yeah well you're saying for sure it's naboo or it has previously been naboo? that would be what you were filming oh i see here. if you're in italy if that's what they're doing they're getting Naboo back please it's crazy not to go back to Naboo it would be awesome yeah and then California which would be Endor sure I mean that's but great. there's a lot of things you can do in California obviously yeah I really really want them to go back to Mustafar. I, I really want to see him with Kylo Ren and Vader's castle it makes a lot of sense to go back to Naboo they don't don't necessarily rush them back to Endor there's no real nope. need for them to go Endor's back a little moon it just happens to be where the redwoods are outside San Francisco yeah um, you're right. There's lots of sound stages in California that yeah. could be doing other stuff. I'm really hoping that Mustafar is in it, but uh, Naboo was one that I wanted in, uh, and Tatooine would have been nice, but they've clearly gone with Jakku as the theme here, and and it's also rumored that Jon Favreau's show may center on Tatooine, yeah, and that I'm- that may be the base planet. I, I wouldn't... Uh, right off that they could do Tatooine in episode nine. No, absolutely. They absolutely could do that. Um, but I would sense they don't look that different. True. But at this point, I don't see what the point of Tatooine is where I absolutely see the point of Jakku. The only thing that could make sense would be if a character like ends up there as in like kind of goes off. Yep. Like if Kylo Ren goes off to be a moisture farmer or something. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> I don't know. I know it's not not realistic or it doesn't even really make sense, but I'm still kind of hung up on the fantasy that, that Jakku and Tatooine are the same place. Yeah, that would be cool. Yeah. Not the case. I know. But that would be really cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, that theory was kind of spat at with Luke Skywalker's line of Jakku. Oh, that is nowhere. <laughs> well, yeah, because he knows about it. <laughs> yeah. You know? And it seems sad. It's also just... not nowhere because it's where like one of the biggest battles in right the last like 30 years occurred. Sure, a significant thing happened there, but it is nowhere. It is, it's is nowhere. A, that's it's fair. a shitty place. It is. That's that's true. I guess yeah. you could say that same thing about like Baghdad or Yeah, a lot of places. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> is that all you got? That is all I have. All right. Well, that wraps up a whole other movie. Yeah. We're one prequel in. Yeah. We're not going to take a week off next week because we took the week off last week. And so we'll go right into Attack the Clones. Which I think is the worst Star Wars movie. Yes. You mentioned that actually on your other podcast. And I would say the worst Star Wars movie is absolutely the Clone Wars movie. No, that doesn't count. If we're not counting that, well, it's theatrical release. It does count. I realize, but that doesn't count. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, I actually think Phantom Menace is worse. There was, I mean, I was definitely reminded of some true terror in The Phantom Menace In watching it. There was some really, really horrific stuff. I I wanted to have a good attitude about Jake Lloyd, but I just couldn't. Well, even as bad as Hayden Christensen is in this next movie, it's still Anakin. As opposed to, it doesn't feel like a different character. And this is something I wanted to mention, because you also mentioned on that show about uh, how I had mentioned in the past about how Anakin should be a little bit older. Yeah. And I don't know if I've clarified this in the past or even brought up this notion, but specifically the reason why he's young and why I think... He doesn't need to be as young as he is. I think 14 would have been the better age, mm-hmm. so he's the same age as Padme. It actually works that way. Yeah, he doesn't have to be 17 like Luke or yeah, 18 or whatever. Exactly, 19. But uh, specifically, I would. Think he needs to be young for the notion of in Phantom Menace, it's fear. Yep. Attack of the Clones, it's anger. Revenge of the Sith, it's hate. Original Trilogy is suffering. Fear, because a kid is scared. Fear leads to anger, anger leads to hate, hate leads to suffering. Totally, but but he's not scared. He he. That's the thing. That's why it's so stupid of him being in space. This is pod racing. Yeah, exactly. So there are points where they show him being scared in like the way he's like on when he's on the starship and when he's he doesn't like being separated from Qui Gon. Hey, when he's separated from Qui Gon, when he's in the Jedi Council after Qui Gon dies, and like he's at the funeral and he doesn't know what he's like to do. Sure, like there there shows some, some glimpses of fear. But I think it could be a lot more so if you can get a way better actor who's five years older. Bingo. For sure. Yeah. That's it? Yep, that would be it. All right, we'll be back next week with the first 20 of Attack of the Clones. And in the meantime, if you want to send along some feedback, let us know which Star Wars movie you think is the worst. You can tweet us at recorder66 or email us recorder66podcast at gmail.com. Rate and review on iTunes and give us as many stars as you possibly can because after all, it is Star Wars. Exactly. And let's face it, the worst of the Star Wars it's still a pretty damn good time. That's right. I agree. Yeah, And until we're together again, may the Force be with you.